We are on Ksubis Lamed Tes Amar Aleph 39A2 in the Arts of Gemara on the very last line of the first column. Our Gemara has been discussing different cases where uh, there's a question of whether or not there's a kenas, where there's a fine of 50 shekel, of uh, if there is, so then does the kenas, typically the kenas is given to the father of the girl, but there are exceptions to that rule. For example, um, if she leaves his jurisdiction, so let's say he passes away, or she is above the age of 12 and a half at the time of the court case, even though the incident occurred when she was between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. There are different cases, situations where she would receive the fine. So another last question here in the Gemara is, Rava asks Abaye, what happens if the girl was um, raped between the age of 12 and 12 and a half or seduced, and then afterwards she is engaged? She gets engaged. Uh, what is the law now that she's engaged? Now, it's important to point out that this question is really just a quick review. Uh, we, had a, we had a discussion earlier about what happens if it's the opposite direction. What happens if she's first engaged, then she got divorced, let's say, because if it's during an engagement, so then there is no fine, uh, at least according to most opinions, because of Kimle Bidrabamine, because that's already viewed as adultery, so there's no fine there because of Kimle. But let's say it's a case where uh, she was engaged and then they got divorced, uh, and then afterwards uh, the incident occurs. Again, this is all between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Uh, but the incident occurs, so that for that we saw a three-way dispute. Uh, there was a one opinion that said that there is no fine whatsoever, there's another opinion that says that it goes to her, and there's another opinion that says there is a fine, but it goes to the father. Now, if it goes to the father in that case, then certainly in our case, where the incident occurs first, and then she's engaged, so then it would still go to the father. And according to the first opinion, it says that there's no fine, that's just because it's an exception to the rule. Uh, that's based on a, on a verse that there's no fine when it occurs after she's engaged, but if it's, uh, but if she, the incident first occurs and then she gets engaged, so then in that case also we should just assume, uh, we could fairly assume that um, that it goes to the father. The whole question is only according to the opinion that says when, if it's a case where she's first uh, engaged and then she gets divorced, and then the incident occurs again while between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, so then in that case, the fine goes to her. So what happens if it's the opposite direction? If the incident first, first occurs and then she is engaged, halakhically engaged, so then do we, do we say that it, the fine would go to her or not? So Amr Le'abai says, Abai says, uh, yeah, it should go to her uh, because it says that it only goes to the father who is not of a girl who is not engaged, and she is engaged. Uh, sorry, meaning it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that it, we give it to the father of the girl who, who is not engaged. Um, that is mentioned earlier. I apologize. It's, uh, it's trying to tell us the opposite, that uh, for sure it goes to the father. It definitely goes to the father uh, because it mentions it earlier. So Rava responds back, according to what you're saying, the Brisa says that what happens if it's a case where 
the incident occurs, and then she gets married. Not just engaged, but she gets married. So then it, she receives the, the payment of the fine. But why? The verse doesn't say that we give it to the father of the girl who is not married. The verse doesn't say that. We should make the same inference, just like you're making that uh, Abaye and say that she go to the father. So the Abaye responds back, No, hachi hashta. What comparison could you make? Hasam holu bagris motzia mirshus av. Vinisun motzia mirshus av. Moving on to 39A3 in the art scroll. Ma bagris bala bagra latzma. Vinisun bala bnisay latzma. Ela erisin. Mika mafki mirshus adav legamri. The Gemara says, No. It's not based, the idea that she receives the fine, it's not based on any inference from the verse itself. It's, it's based on logic, which is that she leaves the jurisdiction of her father in a different cases, one of, two of them being um, in a situation where she gets married, fully married, so then she leaves the jurisdiction of her father. Additionally, when she is above the age of 12 and a half. So if either of those were to occur, after the incident occurs, but before they go to court, so then she would receive the fine. She would receive the fine because she has left her father's um, jurisdiction. But when it comes to Arison, when it comes to an engagement, so that's the question. That's the question that's on the table. An engagement, a marriage, she leaves her father's jurisdiction. But what about an engagement? By an engagement, does she leave her father's jurisdiction or not? So the Gemara says, Hatnan Narama Rasa that when it comes to a girl who is engaged, and she's between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, uh, the rule is with regards to a totally different area of halacha, the laws of uh, annulling her vow. And we know that when she's fully married, uh, with regards to certain vows, uh, the husband could nullify annul the, those vows. Um, but if she's only engaged, uh, so then what, and, and if she's not engaged, uh, so, and she's a nara, she's a, a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half, so then the father can annul her vows. But if she's engaged, the rule is that we, that both her father and her husband are needed to annul her vows. They need both of them to annul her vows. From this we see that her father is still involved. She has not left. It's true. You also need the husband, but the, the father is still involved. She has not left the jurisdiction of her father. Um, and that's the conclusion of the Gemara. The Gemara basically says that there is, no, there is a difference between Halachic marriage versus halachic engagement. When there's a halachic engagement, she has not yet left the jurisdiction of her father, and therefore, number one, the father uh, is necessary to annul her vows. But number two, what's what's important for us right now is the fact that the fine would go to her father, even though she became engaged before the court case. Uh, she was engaged. It's still, uh, the fine goes to her father, and that's the conclusion of the gemara, as opposed to a case of marriage when it's marriage. So then. The fine will go to her. Okay. We are finished with the Gemara. We have concluded the Gemara. We are beginning the next Mishnah. And so we have the next Mishnah here. The next Mishnah discusses now the positive commandment uh, to uh, get married. That if there's a case of a, a rape or seduction of a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. So then there's a positive mitzvah. For the man to marry the girl. Now, it's important to note, the girl or the father always has the right to say no. Uh, from their perspective, they could always say no. It's coming from the husband where, or the potential husband, the man, uh, where it's, it could be that he's required to, or it's also his option. We'll see in the mission exactly what it is. But what's the logic? What's the reason behind this? So the Sefer HaChinuch, 
uh, one of the classic uh, books on the commandments, on the mitzvot, explains that it's a two-pronged idea. It says, number one, uh, the idea is to make sure that this guy uh, is not going around doing this uh, all the time and that he realizes that these are the repercussions, that this cannot just be a one-time thing. If you end up doing this once, so then you're stuck. You're, you're with this person for the rest of your life, potentially, assuming that that, that other person wants it. Uh, a second idea, again, th- with regards to at least an anusa, with regards to a rape, is that uh, he has no say in the matter, and it's really for her. Why is it for her? Because this incident occurred. We are concerned for her, that maybe nobody would go ahead and marry her, that this is going to lower the prospects of her ability to get married, and so therefore to help her out. Obviously, she has the right to back out. She has the right to say, no, we don't force this upon her, God forbid, but she has the right to say that I want to stay with this guy. I want to stay married to this guy, even though even though it's a case of a rape and uh, can't imagine such a thing, but we give, we give her the right to choose. We allow her to choose. Okay. The Mishnah now discusses, it's also just one other point is that the commentators discuss this idea of, of this requirement from the Torah to get married for the, uh, for the person, for the guy to marry the girl that he seduces or rapes. The question is, is this really just like any other mitzvah, just like there's any other mitzvah, so too in this situation? Obviously he did something wrong, but in this situation, so should, is this now viewed as a mitzvah or do we say that no, this is in the Torah, but it's a knas, it's a fine, just like there's a monetary fine. So maybe there's a fine that we place on him to have to get married. Uh, and there's various ramifications, whether it's a, just a regular mitzvah or whether it's a fine. For example, uh, would it apply nowadays? A fine is only, can only exist if the court rules that, that, that it should exist without a court. So then we cannot uh, institute this fine. Um, so if it's a, if it's a fun, if it's a knas, if it's this fine that they would have to get married, so then it wouldn't apply nowadays. But if it's a regular mitzvah, so then it would. Our Mishnah, this opening Mishnah that discusses this topic, I mean, we've been discussing this topic for a while, but with the, in greater detail, uh, really is explaining the differences between a case of a seduction versus a case of rape. When it comes to payment. When it comes to by seduction, there are three things that have to be paid for, and when it comes to rape, there are four. When it comes to a seduction, there's the payment of the humiliation, of the lowering of her value, and the fine. And there are those that want to say that nowadays, where we understand the uh, psychological impact, and therefore it could lead to uh, many other payments, like doctor's fees and therapists, uh, so then they would have to pay for that as well. Uh, but when the uh, when most of a lavonis, and certainly when it comes to a case of a, of a rape, uh, we would add that in. But the, the mission says when it comes to rape, there are those three. Again, the humiliation, the lowering of her value, and the fine. But in addition to that, the pain that occurs, if the, the, the pain from the rape, uh, there's also payment for that. Uh, in addition to the other three, and that happens with regards to rape, but not with regards to being seduced. Again, for a girl between the ages of 12 and 12 and a half. Um, we will see in the Gemara in the next in the next class. We will see what is this tsar, what is this pain referring to? Ma What are the various differences between a situation of a seduction versus a rape? We just mentioned one, which is uh, whether there's also tsar, whether there's also a requirement to pay for the pain, 
And that's the opening one in this list. But now we're repeating a new list. What we just mentioned before, is there payment for the pain, for the tsar, for the pain? When it comes to rape, there is. When it comes to seduction, there isn't. That's number one. Number two, The one who rapes has to pay the fine, the 50 shekel, right away. Right away. Um, would have to pay for it. And when it comes, meaning after the court decides, but you would pay for it independent of whether or not they actually get married. And when it comes to the seduct- the one who seduced her, so then they would have to only pay if they choose not to get married. If they choose not to get married, so then there would be a requirement to pay uh, to pay the the fine. Uh, the Rambam, Maimonides, he notes that if they were to get married, so then um, there is no fine. In that such a case, there wouldn't be a fine. They would they would get married. Uh, and in case of a of a rape, so then if they were to get married, so then he says that there is no ksuba. But uh, uh, but that's because they can't get divorced, as we'll see. The next case, the third example is haone shosabatzitzo. In a case of a rape, he has no choice in the matter. It's totally up to her. she could back out of it, the father could back out of it, not just back out, but not not get married to begin with. But the but the rapist, he must drink from his pot. That's the literal translation. But what this means is that uh, even if it's uh, not a fit and unclean, he has, he's forced into it. He must marry her. But when it's a case of a seduction, so then there's no requirement to get married, he can back, he can back out of it. Um, what does it mean that he has to drink from his own pot? So the point is that if it's not a good match, he still has to uh, stay married. So, whether it's a case where uh, she's a chigera, she's a, a lame, or she's blind, or uh, she has boils. Doesn't make a difference, regardless of what the case is. So then he would, if she wants it, and if her father wants it, so then he's required to marry her. The last case of the Mishnah is Nimtabad Dvar Erva. However, what happens if it's a case of a rape, and, and therefore there'd the, be a requirement to get married? But let's say, if after they get married, so then she. Um, Commits adultery. Let's say she commits adultery after they get married. Oh, uh, Roy Love Israel. So, if it's a case where she committed adultery, so then the, the law is so then in they cannot stay married, just like any other case where it is uh, adultery, they can't stay married. So, to, in this case, even though we force them to get married, but then they would have to get divorced if she committed adultery, or if it's a case where it's not, it's uh, the Torah says they can't get married, like the various cases that we've had in the past. Where it's either uh, a blood relative, or she's not, she's one of the people who can't get married to a regular Jew. Well, let's say he's a Kohen and she was divorced. Well, you can't really have that case in by kind of in this, these cases. But if you if you have any of these cases where it's a Torah prohibition, the Rambam says even if it's a rabbinic prohibition, so then they cannot stay married. They would have to. They can't get married. Because the verse says that it can only be somebody who's fit for him, halachically fit. And she has to be halakhically fit for him. Okay, those are the various differences. We had three three differences. Uh, number one, with regards to the payment of the of the tsar of the pain. Number two is whether or not there's a fine right away, or maybe maybe it's it's only if they don't get married. If it's a case of a seduction, and number three is whether they have to get married. Are they forced into getting married? Those are the three. Uh, if it's a rapist, so then they would have to get married. If, if, if the if the girl and the father 
um, want it, and when it comes to seduction, so then he has the right to back out. Okay, we completed the Mishnah, and we will begin the Gemara in the next class.